0: I've noticed that there is a celebrity culture in politics and in churches around the country. We have become echo following narcissists. If you don't know this Greek story, you're going to want to listen to today's episode. So I'm going to try to illustrate why we've become enamored with politicians, raising them up on a shelf and giving ourselves the last word instead of the first. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America
1: emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles
0: in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. I am your host, as always, Greg Bolden. Glad to be with you here at the final day of the work week. We've made it the Friday, everybody. It's been such an incredible week of shows here on the America Out Loud Network. Great articles for you to be able to read. Make sure you head over to www.americaoutloud.com, as well as listen to the talk radio as well, available on all of your devices. If you'd like to, you can also go and leave us a review on any of the formats. Uh, So whatever your favorite listening format is, if you can leave this show or America Out Loud a nice review, we appreciate it. Let's get straight into it. You heard me say at the top of the show, I want to talk about celebrity culture that seems to be permeating everywhere we go and how we respond to it as well. And what got me thinking about this at work the other day, I had Randy White, the legendary NFL defensive uh, back. He came to our school because this is where he went to school. He's an alumnus of where I work and we're the only school in the state of Delaware that have an NFL hall of Famer. And so he came in and I was filming him and I got to speak with him for a while. He even let me put on his ring, which was pretty cool. Uh, But my students were completely nervous to meet this guy. And I'm thinking, here's a guy who has not, (laughs) I feel like John Madden. Here's a guy, uh, here's a guy who has not played football in decades since before they were born, right? He, he stopped playing in 1988. Most of my students were born two decades later, at least. And yet they were getting nervous to meet this NFL Hall of Famer. And as they're walking up to me, they're going, I'd like to get a photo with him, Mr. Bolden, but uh, I don't know what what to do. Like, w- what should I do? Maybe, I don't know. He's busy. I'm like, look, just walk up with me. So literally, I, I just grabbed my students by the shoulder. I was like, follow me. And I walked them right up to Randy and I said, Randy, Hey, this is one of my star students here. They're in my program. And I just want to introduce you. They're going to be working with me today, filming you, even though that some of them weren't filming, some of them were just there supporting. And Randy was just an absolute consummate professional, shook their hand, said, thank you, got their photo with them. They were beaming, absolutely beaming. And then, uh, you know, I watched as the rest of our football team from the high school and so many other people walked up to him and it was kind of the same thing. And here's just this regular guy who's in his seventies now. Sure. He's like a top 100 player in the NFL, but Randy White was there to come back to his alma mater uh, to give back a bit to the community. The field is named after him. So we got to go up to the field, Uh, but he's just a regular guy right? He, he's not somebody to be nervous about meeting. He's just a regular guy that happened to be athletically gifted to a degree where he's one of the best athletes to play the sport uh, at his position. He's one of the greatest to ever play defense in the NFL, but he's just a regular guy. Just as the people in our churches are just regular people in the churches. When I was serving as a youth minister, I remembered going to these, uh, conferences, went to this Protestant conference down in Atlanta, Georgia, and they had, uh, all these different people like, uh, David Crowder, uh, playing, uh, music and stuff. And, uh, David get up there and, you know, he'd play, you know, God, how you move me or whatever the, uh, the name of the song was at the time. Uh, but he he was excellent, but there was this celebrity culture with him as well, this Christian music center and, people were like salivating over the fact that they could go and meet him. And he just seemed like this really simplistic guy who was just a musician that liked to play music and write music to, to serve his God. That, that's, that's all he really wanted to do. But then there were other bands that were there. There were other speakers that were there that really embraced the fact that they were a celebrity. And I was turned off by this. i watched some of these other musicians And I was turned off because I could feel in my own heart as a youth minister being like, oh, I wish I was up there. I wish I had the opportunity to uh, be able to talk about my experiences. And I found that that moment I needed to kind of check myself of like, why do I feel the need to be up there as well? What am I being called to? And in many ways, even this podcast, there are moments where uh, I, I probably kind of take things out on myself as far as ego goes. And we're going to talk about ego today. We're going to talk about narcissism today. Talk about the Greek mythology, as I said, at the beginning of the show, we'll kind of get into this. But what I found was happening was so many people were going to these things, realizing that they had so much to offer because every human being has so much to offer. It doesn't matter if you've been elevated in status or not, but some of us get left as the repeater of the message instead of the people that get to give the message. And those people really are like the Greek mythology of echo. Echo was taken away the ability for her to say, speak first. Uh, They took away her ability to speak first and said, forevermore, you will only be able to echo the last thing that you heard. And so they would just repeat what was said as far as the final words. And that was the story of echo in narcissism. Uh, narcissists, I guess I should say, which I just, first whatever you just went to narcissism because that's where it roots from. It's a story of Echo and Narcissist, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. And so church started becoming like this parroting thing. You'd go back to the parish and it would be the same thing. And then at the Catholic Church, they'd have this thing called NCYC, and it was very much the same way. There were these Catholic celebrities. Now, some of these Catholic celebrities were extremely down to earth. They, they, they lived a very uh, humble uh, life you know, practice that, that whole part of humility. And I found them to be very respectable. And then there were the other people that were in the celebrity culture side of things, signing autographs and stuff uh, for the kids that went out there. And I found that just to be really odd, especially when you're working for the church, like you're signing autographs and like, which team are you on? Well, I'm team Jesus. <laughs> Let me sign some autographs for you. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm feeling a little bit weird about religion and the celebrity culture, and the fact that everybody all of a sudden wants to dress a certain way at their church because they saw these influencers in the church dressing a certain way. But all this is relevant because it's the exact same thing I see when I go to the DC. It's the exact same thing I see when I I work as a journalist backstage, and I'm seeing people walk up to all of the different politicians and uh, googly-eyed, right? Just like, oh my God, I'm standing in front of this person that's on the news every single night or that's making laws for our country. Guess what? That person is no different from you as far as how much their voice matters. In fact, they're not supposed to be narcissists. They're supposed to be echo. They're supposed to be the person that is echoing the things that you want, the last things that you said in Washington, D.C. for you but we've elevated them and taken away uh, our ability to speak first. And we've elevated them in our place and almost created this powerless type of feeling towards it. And it goes back to celebrity culture. So I I get really uh, weird around when people talk about different politicians in these demigod type of ways, these false idol type of ways. And I see it Uh, even working backstage when people are walking up to me and telling me like, Oh yeah, I follow you. I, I I retweet some of your stuff. Um, yeah, I'm familiar with your work. It's this embarrassing type of thought process to me of like, whoa, that's really weird. Like to me, it's my friend used to always say when we were uh, back in like the early 2000s, we were both in the music and making stuff, and uh, we probably had some pretty good opportunities uh, to grow. I, I I toured with a band for a while. Uh, we were pretty successful, and my friend uh, had a lot of his stuff listened to by like, uh, the beastie boys and, uh, lots of other cool hip hop artists and stuff. But we kind of developed this, the saying amongst each other. It's cool not to be famous. It's cool not to be famous. And, and I, I'm so glad that I grounded myself into that because I feel that way now in my forties, more than ever before. I feel that it's so cool not to be famous. And it's so cool not to get caught up in what the Kardashians are doing. The West are doing or the Royal family or our American Royal families, what they're doing, the Royal politicians, (laughs) the Nancy Pelosi's, the Mitch McConnell's, which by the way, uh, thoughts and prayers, to Mitch McConnell, he took a fall. He's got a concussion. I don't know what his status is right now, but, uh, I don't have a problem with, with any of these people, as far as loving my heart and stuff. Um, it's absolutely horrible. Uh, at what happened to him. So I, I hope he has a continued recovery and Fetterman uh, Fetterman. We've seen pictures now and people are reporting that he is doing well at Walter Reed. Uh, hopefully he gets released soon. His depression is getting better. So just, you know, it's good to, to stay grounded in that type of stuff. But I, I believe that we've nurtured this way of helping politicians feel self-important and maybe all of us, the celebrity culture, right? Because our ego Uh, can really kind of get in the way of our psyche. Uh, I've talked about confirmation bias and how our ego wants to confirm our own beliefs. But how about our defensiveness, right? The ego can be highly defensive with anything that threatens us. That's why uh, if you've ever worked in uh, a spot where people give you reviews, the negative reviews really harm you. Anytime that we hear something about our flaws, it's difficult for us to accept, or hear something about our weaknesses. And if we don't check our defensiveness, we don't learn, we don't grow, right? So if if we're looking at our politicians and saying that our politicians have a large ego, then we already know that likely they are prevented from learning and growing because they're defensive. The other thing when we stroke people's ego is we tend to compare ourselves. We start comparing to get our validation from external sources. And so we can get envious, you know, green with envy about things, or we can feel inferior and that takes us off our path. It takes us off the purpose of what we are focused on. And so ego can really fool us into achieving our higher purpose. And so for politicians, maybe that looks like getting paid off, right? Bought out by a special interest group. We can rely on attachments. The ego wants to attach itself to that which it feels successful with the possessions that it has, with the relationships. Our ego uh, can sense any time that we're anxious about something. And if we're going to lose something and we get anxious or stressed, our ego works really hard to attach itself. And so politicians can destroy one another because they're attached to that power. We're gonna get the power later after the Greek mythology. And then the last part is when you have a strong ego and it's not in check, you don't practice humility, um, we oftentimes can just sabotage other people or even sabotage ourselves and we see that in politicians all the time and celebrities this self sabotage that we don't reach our full potential because we get stuck in this unhealthy pattern such as like procrastination or we just are self critical constantly i will tell you my part of my ego that i need to work on the most is my self sabotage it's what keeps me from having uh really the true healthy pattern in my life i'm extremely critical of myself. And I acknowledge it. I I understand it 100%. And so our ego fools us. We can overestimate what we're capable of. We can not want to change for other people. We start self-sabotaging or hurting other people. We cling to what we've done in the past instead of growing and trying to do bigger things into the future. So we'll hang on to our accomplishments. Um, and so we all need to work on ego in order to make sure that we see things for how they are. Now that also means we should recognize ego in other people, ego in our presidents, ego in Joe Biden, ego in Donald Trump, Obama, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, all of them have egos. All of them as a result have had weaknesses in there. And the Greeks told us a story that we can learn from very well. It's the story of Echo and Narcissus. And so the story is going to be told here. I guess I'll tell it in the second half, uh, as soon as we come back from the break, As I'm looking at the time and I'm realizing I should take a break here and then we'll go with the story of Echo and Narcissus and maybe a little education session from our Greek mythology. I like Greek mythology, in case you didn't know that already. All right, everybody, we're going to take a break right here, but make sure you're going and visiting all of our great sponsors on the show. We got the Genesis HOCL Fogger, which now has this atomizer. You plug it in, set it, forget it, save your house from bacteria, viruses, mold, or your place of business, your classroom, wherever you want to put that awesome little device. You don't have to carry that big Fogger that they have. that's really good for churches and places if you want to use it for that. You go to thegenesisfogger.com backslash out loud and get your discount on one right now for yourself, just for listening to this show and the America Out Loud Network. Be right back, everyone. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network.
1: We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer.
0: This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces.
1: With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD.
0: And we are back, Bold American, second half of the show. Let's get straight into Greek mythology. I promised you right at the end there, the story of Echo and Narcissus. And it will help us understand celebrities and what's going on in society with our politicians and churches. And maybe we can figure out a way to make it better before the end of the show or make us self-aware. Provide, once again, like I've been trying to do this week, provide context to our perceptions. So the story goes, Zeus comes into the mountains and there's wood nymphs and they go to rush over and embrace him and they play with him in this waterfall. It's icy and they laugh alongside him. His wife becomes very jealous, Hera. And so she is searching the mountainside, trying to catch her husband with these nymphs. But whenever Hera comes close to finding him, there's a charming nymph who's named Echo and it steps across her path. Now, Echo chats with Hera and is very uh, passionate, very happy-go-lucky, and she's doing whatever she can to stall Hera from finding Zeus and the other nymphs. She's trying to help Zeus escape. Well, eventually, Hera discovers that Echo has been tricking her and causing these conversations, so she gets into a huge rage, and she says to Echo that, you've made a fool of me, henceforth Your voice from now on will be brief, my dear. You will always have the last word, but never the first. And from that day on, Echo was only able to say the final words of what other people were saying. Now, we fast forward. One day, Echo sees this golden-haired youth that she falls in love with as he's hunting deer out in the woods, and that boy's name was Narcissus. Now, Narcissus had loved his sister and he looked a lot like a sister. So Narcissus would often go down to the water and stare into the pond because Narcissus could see enough of his sister in his face that he just was found to be, you know, calming and loving to be like, wow, there's my beautiful sister. As I looked into, as he looked into his own face now, anyone who looked at Narcissus, including echo would fall in love with him immediately uh, because he was just a extremely handsome dude. Now he would have nothing to do for anyone because he was also extremely conceited and full of himself. He knew that he was absolutely the most handsome man on the face of the planet because he knew how beautiful his sister was as well. And so Echo sees Narcissus and decides, I'm in love with that man. And so she starts following through the woods, falling more and more in love with each step. She gets closer and closer. And finally, Narcissus turns around and says, Who's here? And from behind the tree, of course, Echo repeats his last word, here. So Narcissus looks around and says, Who are you? Come to me. And Narcissus looks through the woods, can't find the nymph, and then shouts, stop hiding, let us meet. So Echo says, let us meet. And she steps from behind the tree and goes over to embrace Narcissus. But when she runs over to go give him a hug, he pushes her away and shouts at her, says, leave me alone, I'd rather die than let you love me. And all Echo can say is, love me. And as Narcissus runs from her, she starts yelling, love me, love me, love me. Because that's all Echo can speak. Echo lost the ability to say the first words, to speak for herself. All Echo can do is repeat the final words now from the people in power. So Echo becomes really sorrowful. She starts wandering the mountains. Eventually, she finds a lonely cave to live in. Meanwhile, Narcissus continues just to live on his own, tending only to himself, doing what's best for himself, not a care in the world for other people, um, and finds himself at this pond. And so once again, he looks over into the water and stares into it and sees someone staring back at him. And the person that he sees is Apollo, cheeks smooth as ivory, he leans down to try to kiss Apollo, but all he kisses is water. And so then he tries to give a hug, and he realizes, what could be more cruel than this? I go to kiss somebody, but they only kiss the water. I try to serve myself, but serving myself is empty. And so he continues there, gets more and more sad. And eventually, he decides, I need to leave, goodbye my love. And he hears Echo crying deep in the woods. Goodbye, my love. Narcissus is so upset by this. Narcissus takes his last breath. And before he died, or after he died, I guess I should say, there's water nymphs. They search for his body, but all they found was a beautiful flower that was behind, hidden in the pool, where the youth had been staring at his reflection. Echo back in the cave, was so upset The Echo chose not to eat or to sleep and laid forlorn in the cave. And her beauty went away. She became very thin as she started to starve. All that was left was the voice. And so the lonely Echo was only heard repeating the last words that anyone else said. What does this story have to do with celebrity? More specifically, what does this story have to do With politics. There is somebody out there right now that has told you that you do not get to have the first word in politics. You only get to have the last word. Now, some of you have taken it so much that you hop on the Twitter, you go onto your favorite news media, and you repeat the exact thing that you heard. But maybe you don't articulate it extremely well because we are almost damned to only be able to speak the final things that we heard. Those most important words that we heard at the very end that we miss out on all the rest of the context that was given to us in the first place. And so we continue to repeat these words, much like Echo repeats these words. And then there's Narcissus our politicians. Our politicians, their ego has gotten so big that they continue the search for self-serving for themselves, enriching themselves with more and more money finding special interest groups in order to cater to that they forgot that the first time they went to Washington DC was to go to serve you, the people to be a public servant. Instead, they are serving pocketbooks. They are serving ways to make sure that they get more and more enriched. How do we know this? Because we can look at the dollar sheets and see that the majority of our politicians go to the DC and become rich people, much like narcissists wandered through the woods, only in love with themselves. And as narcissists began to continue to speak, that's right, because everybody was just so enamored with the politicians, just like Narcissus, Echo was enamored. What do we do? We repeat exactly what they are saying, even if it's out of context because we're not there. We're hearing it from our own cave, where we too Have gone and recessed. We're sitting in front of our televisions, in front of our screens. We're not active in the local communities, making sure that we're making a difference. We've become Echo, ready to starve ourselves, ready to say we no longer matter, but it's a lie. We can learn from this Greek story to not be like Echo, to always make sure that we never feel that we have the last word, that we need to make sure that we speak up and speak our voices and speak it from our own standpoints, not from somebody else that's trying to tell us, you know, this is the way things are. And we can also learn that it's okay to be a public servant, but we need to keep the ego in check to maintain that we do not fall ourselves into narcissism we do not fall into self-love and we do not fall into vanity because if we do that becomes a very dangerous place where we're going to once again repeat the cycle so how do we solve this well there's another uh story that we have here we have a story of arachne right you probably heard of arachnophobia well that's because there's a spider in the story Now, there's a young woman woman named Arachne that challenges the goddess Athena to a weaving competition. And Athena, all right, warns Arachne, but Arachne says, I have superior skill, and starts making fun of the goddess Athena. Well, in response, Athena transforms Arachne into a spider, and it symbolized her hubris, because her punishment for challenging the gods was to just spin webs. And so the same thing we can learn with celebrities, our punishment when we reach a celebrity status can be if we're not true to ourselves to spin webs. So are you aware of the webs that celebrities and politicians and people possibly in churches and that church celebrity culture might be weaving to people? See churches fell into this as well. A long time ago. Uh, we talk about politicians, but There's televangelism that in the 1950s, the television sets, I don't want to get away from church because I think this is important for listeners to have context. Billy Graham, right? Uh, they became celebrities in their own right. These televangelists, they started drawing these huge crowds, these megachurches, and people you know, started having their public opinion of them. There's been lots of television shows too on the people that were fraudulently doing it, taking in money. And the mega churches continued to grow in the 1970s. There was a huge uh, movement with that. There's a book that I really enjoy. And uh, the opening lines uh, on the purpose-driven life by Rick Warren are, it's not about you. Well, the mega church movement, it was about you. It was about these charismatic pastors who had a huge, large following. It took somebody like Rick Warren to tell them, it's not about you. Get out of the way. It's about Jesus Christ. That's who you're serving in this Christian church. And now we have the impact of social media, right? We got people that now are becoming influencers in church, influencers as politicians, because they're on social media. The two Uh, most egregious social media people, I believe, are AOC and Marjorie Taylor Greene. They have found a way to really use social media to stroke their own egos and to put false outrage into both their political parties. Religious leaders do this much the same way. Uh, They find their cause and try to cast a net to a wider audience in doing so. They have this influence on popular culture, much like the politicians do. And so they embrace that popular culture. They dress a certain way. uh, They get their image, right? They put their makeup on and they all look absolutely put together and ready to go. When I'm down in Washington, DC, it's the same exact thing, right? It's the, uh, I don't want to, I'm just going to name a name because I'm probably never going to interview this guy, Dennis Kucinich. All right. Dennis Kucinich really, to me, uh, embodied this celebrity culture. When I recently met him, this guy was dressed like a 25 year old, right? With these designer jeans, designer shoes. He's got his like uh, wife, I guess at this point, who's like half his age, which by the way, she was super nice. Like I, this is not me in any way um, making any derogatory comments about his wife, but I do have to ask. When you're half Dennis Kucinich's age, you're my age, and you're married to Dennis, and you see the way that he dresses and everything else, he's trying to remain relevant as a pop culture figure based upon his political ego and political rise. I have to wonder, if he wasn't a politician, would she be on his arm? I think that's an honest question that we can ask, because I think that she's on his arm, and I'm sure she loves him. Like, I, I, this is not me, again, making any judgments about the marriage. I believe that it's fine. Like, if somebody his age could fall in love with somebody her age. Like, that, that's perfectly fine, well, and good. My point to this all is, I believe that the ego, celebrity culture, the obsession that we have in the United States likely plays a role into that because with positions of power, people hold influence. It gives them self-importance. They get the public attention, the public eye from the media, from the public, and then they feel really important, which leads me to people like uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Now, Tulsi Gabbard was there uh, with me and I was not able to get a interview with her. She had the largest security team in DC out of all the different people that I met the day I was down in DC a few weeks ago. Um, I don't know if that's because she feels overly important. Maybe she doesn't have much of an ego. But it came off to me as if she had a huge sense of ego. It didn't have much time for the press. She had time for all the other politicians that might help her because she saw them as on the exact same playing field as her. I could be wrong. Maybe she's super down the earth. uh, But in the purpose of this show, of what I'm trying to illustrate, it's just what I saw. Um, The majority of people that were there that I backstage, they didn't have the inflated ego. They didn't have all that. It was just the lifelong politicians. People like Jimmy Dore, uh, who has a phenomenally popular podcast, uh, his own The Jimmy Dore Show. If anyone doesn't listen to that, you should. He's excellent. I mean... He made time to talk to me and just kind of hang out briefly, despite the fact he was sought after. And it wasn't like hang out like, oh, I got to hang out with Jimmy Dore. No, no, no. It's like I got to talk to Jimmy Dore just a little bit about like what he's doing with his podcast and the work that he's doing. And it was a meaningful conversation, not a conversation of stroking ego of his or or not. Now, there is one person that I will say that I completely fell as echo and narcissist to, and that was Ron Paul. It was Ron Paul because quite honestly, I don't know how much longer Ron Paul may be around to be alive and to be able to shake his hand again. I hadn't been able to do that in about I don't know, 2012 elections. Last time I met him uh, to be able to shake his hand and just kind of briefly tell him uh, what he meant for activating me in politics and uh, the local community and caring about what's going on in this country. That was meaningful to me. And maybe that's stroking ego a little bit, but I get the impression from him uh, while, you know, he knows that he's important to some of the Liberty movement and stuff. I I don't feel like he is somebody who um, is an egomaniac. He seems like somebody who's remained to stay well-grounded and just looks at and goes, look, Liberty's popular. I got a lot of friends. And that's really, he's just like everybody's grandfather. And I enjoyed meeting him. And then the last story from the Greeks that I want to wrap up today is a story that we all know. And it was funny because I was talking to my friend the other day, and we were trying to remember uh, if Icarus had feathers on his ankles. Because I was watching the Wakanda Forever movie. And I was like, yeah, the only thing I didn't like is like, why would he have feathers on his ankles as he was flying? And my friend said, well, that's just like Icarus. I said, no, I think Icarus had feathers feathers on his back and so we had to look it up and i i was right it was uh, another greek uh, myth that had feathers on the ankles anyway the story about icarus was about not flying too close to the sun it goes back to what my friend and i were talking about back in the early 2000s it's cool not to be famous because when you fly too close to the sun your wings can melt and lead to your death Now, maybe it doesn't lead to your physical death. Maybe it leads to your ego death. Uh, Maybe you get reborn as somebody who's an egomaniac, a megalomaniac. Uh, I don't want any of that for myself. I don't want that for my listeners. What I do want for my listeners is this. I want us all to be more critical of what type of pedestal we put people up on, including myself. I want you to hold me accountable absolutely 100% as well. I don't want to become the product of uh, what I'm talking about today. So if I ever get too big for my bridges, feel free to cut me back on down the size. I would appreciate that. Uh, As well as I hope that I always have time for conversations with anybody who wants to have a conversation with me. Uh, Even if my schedule gets too busy, I hope that I can always at least put a sentence back together of sincere gratitude and thanks Uh, to make sure that you all know that this is not a celebrity relationship, that I am simply somebody who's been gifted a voice to put something out there. And if it resonates with you and you would like a point resonated for other people, I will echo your voice. I will make sure people hear what you want to say, not just what Greg Bolden wants to put out there. Hope I honored your time. Well, today, I hope I gave you some things to think about. Uh, I've been pretty turned off about the celebrity culture around news media. I've been pretty turned off about our politicians, our churches. I'm trying to deal with that. If you got things that you've seen and you know how you deal with it, I'd love to hear from you about it. You can reach out to me on Twitter at real Bolden, B O U L D E N, or you can email me Greg at Americaemboldened.com. Uh, You can go there and you can send me a little message too on the website. I hope you guys all have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy it. Be safe, be healthy, and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America.